are going to remember where you were right now for the rest of your life. How can you not be romantic about baseball? You're listening to On the Mound with Max Tanzer, Matt Salsler, and Tommy Muma on BIC Radio. Hello and welcome to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler joined by Tommy Muma, Max Tanzer, back in Seattle. And he enjoyed a uh, very uh, nice baseball game yesterday. The Seattle Mariners emerging victorious over the Los Angeles Angels. Tommy, what are some of your thoughts on that ball game? Well, it was a great game. I'm glad that Max was there for it. 7-4 to four win for the Mariners, and they've really been rolling 15-12 and 12 in the month of April. And, uh, yeah, good win for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there, Tommy. I think it was a great win for them. And how about it? Max finally back at a baseball game, and you keep mentioning it. When was the last time you were at a uh, MLB game? It's been a long time. It was August 3rd of 2019, and that was a doubleheader against the Red Sox, Yankees Red Sox, and they swept that. So it was a great day, but definitely looking forward to getting back out there for sure. Yeah, 100%. And let's look at some of the numbers from this ball game here. You look at Shohei Otani hitting a home run. What are some of your thoughts on his play? Well, I mean, you can't say enough about what he's able to do on both sides of the ball, right? Hitting 283 this season. And last night, he went one for four with a home run, uh, hit that out to right. And, you know, CeCe Sabathia said that he's the best player he's ever seen, uh, which, you know, I don't know if that's true, but he certainly is uh, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, 100%. And what are some of your takeaways from the uh, Mariners? Well, I think that, you know, they're showing that they have a good core and, you know, they're set up for a little while now. And, you know, Mitch Haniger with a home run last night, I believe, and, um, you know, I think that they're really setting themselves up for success in the future. Kyle Lewis, uh, one for five last night, picked up a hit. But, yeah, no, I think they're going to be good moving forward for sure. And now looking at the American League West standings, while well, we have a second here, uh, the Athletics in first, followed by the Mariners, a game back. Astros a game and a half, followed by L.A. and Texas, all within five games of each other. Uh, this division, how do you think it's shaped out thus far? Well, it's certainly not how I expected. I think that many people expected Oakland to be at the top. Uh, but, you know, by the end of it, I expect that we'll see Houston up there. And, you know, even the Angels. I mean, any time that you have the best player in the game, I think you have a chance, right? Um, I think the Rangers are the only team other than Oakland, like I said, that are where I expected them to be. But, um, yeah, definitely interesting. I mean... We've seen that throughout baseball, right? A lot of divisions not shaking out the way that we would expect through the first month, That, but that is baseball, and there's still plenty of time to go, of course. Yeah, definitely a lot of time to go. And speaking of a team that's going to need a lot of time to catch up, uh, your New York Yankees in action yesterday, however, yesterday, uh, somebody to be proud about. Oh, my goodness. It was great. 10 nothing win. Aaron Judge with two home runs. Need a grand slam into the second deck in right field, which I mean. Is it really know. that hard to do, though? Yeah, I mean, I've only others. I've only seen one other player do, and it was Troy Tulowitzki, um, which and that was his only Yankee home run. But um, no, I mean, what a great win! And Garrett Cole, he just did what he always does. He was outstanding, and uh, Aaron Hicks with a home run, which was great to see. Clint Frazier with a home run. Uh, he's starting to get going, so a really great team win. 
Yeah, and they beat the Detroit Tigers, a team that, based on my preseason predictions, needs to crank it up a notch. You know, I had them finishing in fourth, however, uh, not uh, holding up their end of the stick here early on in the season. And now circling back around to some more games that happened yesterday. Cubs against the Reds, a 6-8 to eight loss. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a, I don't know, a speech here. Yeah. The Cubs, it's, they're, they're an interesting bunch because you the series against the Mets where everyone thinks, okay, it's going to be a repeat of 2016. You know, they play great baseball. Everything's perfect. Then they go down to Atlanta, and you see Anthony Rizzo pitching to Freddie Freeman. Now, why that was a great <laughs> mo- moment. Great, like, you know, humor. It's what you love about baseball. It's what you love about a blowout. Yeah, that was However, great. as a Cubs fan, I never want to see Anthony Rizzo take the hill. Oh, I cool. never do. Even though he has the best ERA <laughs> in the entirety of baseball history. That's right. When he takes them out, it means something seriously wrong. And the, with the offense that day, it was terrible. Obviously, Jock Peterson is out. That's a huge void that they have. They're forced to move people all around the diamond defensively, which creates a void offensively. But against Atlanta, they don't do well. They are able to squeak out one. And then Cincinnati, a divisional game that you got to win, uh, especially considering how tight the NL Central is. The Cubs losing 6-8, to eight, and we'll see what happens uh, heading into the weekend series. But... Injury is definitely a, a concern for the Cubs here early. Jack Peterson out. Uh, Tommy, your uh, your man Austin Romine oh, has yeah. had a couple of injuries thus far. Oh, no. Tony Bolter's coming He's up, taking his favorite. spot. So definitely a tough time if you're the Chicago Cubs, but they have Jake Marisnik who's done a great job replacing Jack Peterson wherever he may need to be in the outfield. Matt Duffy's really come up and done well. Tony Walters coming in doing a good job as well, giving uh, Wilson Contreras some time off. And then you have the glasses man of Eric Sogard. But Jake Arrieta throwing yesterday. It was the first game that he has thrown that they have lost this year. So that is uh, something to look out for. But other than that, you know, a quick look again at the uh, MLB standings here, especially in the NL Central. Yeah, it's the American League. In the National League Central, the Brewers in first. The Cubs in last place, five games back. So uh, not not, not what you want if, if you're the Cubs. Certainly not what you want, but I will say they're eleven and fifteen. They're four games under five hundred. I mean, it's not a terrible place to be at this point. I mean, obviously, it's not where you want to be, but they certainly could come back from this. Obviously, only five games back with, you know, nearly the entire season to go. Right, one hundred thirty games approximately. So, I think the Cubs will be fine, and everything will shake out the way we expect. Yeah, and definitely. You also look at. Uh I don't know. It's just never good to be trailing the Pirates. The Pirates, no, the Pirates are the benchmark not. in the division that you always want to be above at all times because then you know you're at least having a quasi-good season. But the fact that they're a game and a half back of Pittsburgh and hopefully uh, over the course of the weekend they'll be able to close that gap on Cincinnati and who knows, be a little bit closer to first place in that division, especially at the rate things are going right now. Uh, the Central won't have a wild card coming out of the uh end of the season and now shifting over to the National League West Dodgers and Padres always putting on a show to this point in the season they've played a couple times a couple series over the course of the year Tommy what are some of your thoughts on their games what a rivalry that's become right and I think we expected it to be you know must see TV but I don't know if we expected to this extent but you know you bring up the Dodgers and the Padres look at the Giants leading that division 16 and 10 which you know, I'm really impressed by that. And personally, I don't think that's going to stand. But, you know, they had Mike Talkman earlier in the week. So, I mean, come on. I think they might win this whole division now. But, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, they've been impressive. But, I, you know, that rivalry, you mentioned the Dodgers and Padres. 
to see those two series, Fernando Tatis coming back uh, from the IL in the first game of that, hitting a home run right away, and, you know, some fireworks, definitely uh, some bad blood between the teams that we saw there, and, you know, some question of whether Tatis was looking uh, at the catcher's signs and everything like that, but I think it's great for baseball to have these two teams uh, really playing well. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned uh, the Talkman trade, the Yankees getting Wandy Peralta as a uh, resident Yankees expert. What are some of your thoughts on that deal? You know, I think it's a good deal, but obviously, you know, Mike Talkman, he was a fan favorite in New York and certainly disappointed to see him go. And it wasn't something that I was expecting at all. I thought, um, you know, he would be here for a little bit, especially because he's a lefty bat. But um, and, you know, he went three for four in his first game of the Giants, so certainly happy for him. But in terms of Peralta, he's a guy that I haven't been able to see pitch much. And maybe you can speak to this a little more because he was in the NL Central. But, you know, I think it's a good move. And, you know, hopefully Zach Britton will be back soon. Another lefty arm out of the pen. So, um, you know, I think it's a good move, but definitely sad to see Talkman go. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Wandy Peralta. I'll talk about him a little bit. He was... Uh... With Cincinnati, with Milwaukee, he was yeah. kind of the pitcher where if he came in, you wouldn't be scared, but yeah. he always had the potential to do damage. And maybe that's just because when he was with Milwaukee, it was either between him or Hader, and as everyone knows in baseball, anytime that Josh Hader does not take the mound, you have to take advantage of it. So that made him look a little bit better. Cincinnati, I really don't remember his time with Cincinnati, uh, but I think that based on what he w- did with Milwaukee, he'll be a good get for the Yankees. He'll really support that bullpen, especially when they need to uh, be without Zach Britton, and then you have a roll to Chapman in the ninth inning. I think it's just added support, considering that they do have an overcrowded outfield right now, and having Talkman uh, leave and get to get something out of it is a huge deal for the New York Yankees. But now still going around the scene of the MLB, you call this team Yankees, uh, the second Yankees, oh, uh, the, it's Philly. the Philadelphia Phillies, leading the National League East. Uh, What are some of your thoughts on them? I've been very impressed by the Phillies. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me, though. They got Joe Girardi at the helm for that team. How could you not be in first? But, um, you know, some fireworks last night, if we want to talk about that. The bench is clearing. Uh, Jose Alvarado throwing at Dom Smith. And, um, you know, I think, but in terms of the team as a whole, I've been very impressed. And, you know, at the same time, they are at 513-13. and 13. I think that's the big surprise, right? One of the strongest divisions in baseball, and they don't have a team over 500. But, um, you know, I think that they've impressed so far, and hopefully they can keep it going. Yeah, Remember when we thought that uh, they would uh, be the best division in baseball at this point, two weeks ago? We did. We did. I think that's still going to be the case, but we'll have to see. And the Marlins I mean, are only a game and a half back. Hey, the Marlins, I know, look at that. Last place, a game and a half back. Certainly not what you would expect, but, um, you know, I think by the end, like I've said about all these divisions, I think it's going to be the way we expect, but, um, you know, certainly surprising for sure. Yeah, and let's uh, talk about uh, another team in this National League East, uh, a local team, the METS Mets of New York Town in fourth place. I know. In this division, uh, I don't know, based on the preseason hype, Kind of a disappointment. They're sitting uh, below 500, only a game back of the Phillies, but also keep in mind this division has had many scheduled changes due to rain and COVID, etc. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on the Mets' uh, performance to this day? They got swept by the Cubs last week, and given what I just said about the Cubs a few minutes ago, it's not what you want if you're the Mets. Not what you want, but something positive to take away. Jacob deGrom has just been unbelievable, hasn't he? A .51 ERA, he's 2-2, two and two, and you know, it's the story that we're always seeing every year with him. He doesn't get run support, and you know, you wonder, does the offense feel like they can take a day off when he's on the mound because they know that he's only going to give up a run or so? And, you know, there's nights, I think it happened last week, he gave up one run, and they lost one nothing. I mean, it's disappointing not for what you sure. Want. Certainly not what you want. But, you know, I think the bats have to get going, but the pitching has been really good for the Mets. So I think that's the positive takeaway. And I think Steve Cohen tweeted about that. Um, he's back on Twitter, and he's been, you know interacting with the fans which I think Mets fans appreciate but um you know I think the pitching has been great and you know that's the one positive right now but I think the bats will come around I mean it's a great lineup you have uh Pete Alonzo Michael Conforto whoever uh, thinks is the best right fielder in the, in the league right or when I say everyone I mean everyone uh in Queens thinks he's the best right fielder in the league that's right. Everybody in Queens does believe that, and then there's a good portion that knows who the best right fielder in baseball is. Not only in baseball, but uh, in New York? No, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go... No, I, you're right. Just in New York. Aaron Judge. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a team with a lot of potential, and, you know, they're going to reach it by the end, I think. Yeah, I think that it's baseball. It's May now. So yep. I don't know. The new month means that it's time to hit the panic button maybe for some teams. But uh, we talked about the Mets. We talked about the Phillies. Dom Smith, Jose Alvarado yeah, uh, doing a little dance last night. Uh, really something interesting to see if you're a baseball fan or Alvarado throwing inside. Dom Smith not liking it and the two teams exchanging, throwing inside, things like that. A good old uh, indirect fight until it turns into a direct fight in baseball. Thoughts on that? Well, you know, there is some history there. They were showing it last night. We were watching on SportsCenter. And, you know, a couple weeks ago back in New York at City Field, Alvarado threw it Dom... Or no, I think he threw it somebody else, and Dom Smith took exception to it. He was yelling at him from the bench. And, you know, I think that's really what this whole situation stemmed from. But, you know, any time that a pitch comes up towards the head, it's certainly scary and, you know, certainly disappointing to see. But... You know, and I'm not watching these two teams every night, but hopefully this is something that they'll move past. I know with the Yankees and Rays, um, that whole situation, we still have not moved past that. They were showing the other night, I think there's been a combined like 50-something hit batters between the two teams over the past like three years. And, you know, hopefully it's not a situation like that. But, you know, some excitement last night in Philadelphia, and we'll see what happens today. Yeah, 100%. And thinking about uh, fights and things like that in baseball, you, know, mm. you mentioned how it hopefully doesn't boil over. That's right. And looking at these two teams, I think they're going to keep going at it. And do you think that in order to avoid that, how do you think punishment should be dealt? Well, I think that a big thing is issuing warnings early. But at the same time, I mean... That's difficult, too, right? Because when you issue warnings, there's times where guys, they feel like they can't pitch inside, and it changes their game plan, which I certainly, you know, understand that perspective from teams as well. And, um, you know, I think the umpires just have to do a good job of still letting them play but managing it and not, like, get out of hand. But, 
Um, yeah, I think that's what they got to do. Yeah, I think it's it's a difficult situation because a pitcher, if they throw inside, you know, they could say, oh, it slipped. Yeah. Or they lost command of it. And then anytime we saw it with Bryce Harper earlier in the week, he got yes. absolutely pelted. That's right. Right in the face, and it's not what you want. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in a C-flap nolly for the rest of the month or for the rest of the year, maybe even the rest of his career, to try and avoid that. But I think that, I don't know, I think pitchers need to be held more accountable. And also, if you're a hitter, even though you take exception to it, and I know there's been prior history, but yeah, let the, umpi- let the umpires handle it, and if they don't handle it, then you make your voice heard. That's because, right. you know, you're only, you know, a lot of people say, when you start to get physical, you lose the battle. And pitchers, they're just playing the game. When the hitters drop the bat and try to charge, that's where you know the pitcher gets off easy and the hitter is the one that's punished the most. Absolutely, and you're right about that. And you certainly don't want to get into a brawl and potentially get a player injured because you take a look at the Phillies right now. They can't afford it. Um, on Friday night, they were out without Bryce Harper, as you mentioned, gotten hit in the face. Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura was out, and JT Realmuto was scratched from the lineup with a sore left hand. So, um, you know, they're going through some injury trouble, still at the top of the division, like we said. But, um, yeah, definitely something to note. Yeah, still at the top of the division. However, lots of baseball to be played and with that we're going to take our first break of the morning but stick around because in the next segment tomorrow is national brothers and sisters day in baseball it has a plethora of siblings so we're going to go through our top five baseball siblings as well as we'll go around the collegiate scene here in baseball but until then stick around we'll be right back you're listening to on the mound here on vic Having a hard time remembering that girl from Winslow, Arizona? The one with the the flatbed Ford? Well, kick your feet up because DJ Dog has got the tunes to help you remember. Every Thursday, 6 to 8, on the kickback, you can join me, DJ Dog, for some nostalgia, some memories, some even better classic rock from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and a whole host of other great tunes right here on V.I.C. Love listening to all kinds of music? Get your fix of pop, rock, and alternative finds on The Mix. From chart toppers to garage bands and everything in between. Tune in Fridays 6 to 8 p.m. for The Mix. Only on The Vic. I'm getting a catcher's mitt. I'm getting ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool black skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat wave. A shrinking glacier. I'm getting a devastating flood. Adults are generous. We're even giving kids global warming. But it's not too late. We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. I would do anything for love, like catch a grenade, jump in front of a train, watch The Bachelor, slaying a fire-breathing dragon, or tuning in to Nothing But Love on VIC Radio, Tuesdays, 11 to midnight. We have an app. Take VIC Radio with you on your iOS device. That's right. The best of what's next is available wherever you go. 
current song information, in-app access to social media, sleep timer, and alarm clock settings, it's all there. Download the VIC Radio app from the App Store today. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Salsa joined by Tommy Muma. And tomorrow is National Brothers and Sisters Day, so we're going to go through some of the top baseball siblings. Tommy, who you got? Well, this was pretty tough. Um, you know, I went and looked back. There's 422 pairs of siblings that have played a Major League Baseball, which I never would have guessed. But, um, you know, number five, I'm going to go with the Seegers, Kyle and Corey Seeger. Obviously, they're both playing right now, Kyle and Seattle and Corey with L.A. And, you know, Corey's one of the bright young stars in the game, and Kyle's put together a really good career. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of directions I could go with this one, but I'm going to go with the Seegers for number four. I'm going to go with Ken and George Brett. Um, George, obviously, Hall of Famer with the Kansas City Royals, and, you know, he's still involved with the game today. Ken put together a great career as well. Uh, Phil and Joe Necro. Uh, Joe is in the Hall of Fame, I believe, right? Or is it Phil? Um, and, you know, knuckleballer there, and they both put together really great careers on the mound. Number two, I got to go with the Molinas. Yadier, Jose, and Benji. Obviously, Yadier is still playing, but I think that he's destined for Cooperstown. And with number one, I got to go with the DiMaggio's. Honestly, as a Yankees fan, I didn't even know that uh, Joe had brothers. So we have Joe, Vince, and Dominic DiMaggio. Joe, obviously, one of the best players of all time, and I got to go with them at number one, the Yankee Clippers. So, uh, yeah, that's my list. Yeah, very good list indeed. Mine's going to be awfully similar. I'm guessing we're looking off of the same source here, but yeah. at number five, I'm going to go with the Negroes. You mentioned Knuckleballer. Um, yep. uh, you look at uh, the war of 126.1, 10 more games than the Perrys, who are going to be my number four. And then Phil with the knuckler, more wins and a higher war than Gaylord. And uh, Joe having a good career, too, with 3.59 ERA. And with that, my number four, it's the Perrys. The Perrys have a higher war than the DiMaggio's, believe it or really? not. Gaylord accounting for 93.7. Gaylord's 314 wins, 311 career ERA. However, you know, you have the controversy with the spitball that followed him. And now moving up, my number three is going to be the Martinez brothers, Pedro and Ramon. Oh, it's a good one. And you look at Pedro Martinez, there's no uh, argument against him having a fantastic career. Ramon as well uh, reached the major leagues with the Dodgers and was with the Dodgers during their World Series campaign in 1988. And then 20-6, 2.92 ERA, 234, and a third's innings. And then now my number two, the Molinas. Really not that much to... Go for it. Yachty still having a fantastic career. Benji and Jose always seemed to be a threat at the plate and behind the plate. My number one, it's unanimous here, the DiMaggio brothers. Uh, right. Joe, 56, game hit streak, Yankee Clipper. And then you have uh, Dominic and Vince as well. So those are my top siblings. You know, it's interesting to see how the family ties in baseball work. It certainly is. I mean, I never would have thought that there would have been that many siblings. And, you know, some honorable mentions, the Upton brothers, um, they've obviously put great careers together, Melvin and Justin Upton, and Justin's still playing today. So, um, you know, that's an honorable mention. There were so many other names on this list that, you know, we had to leave out. But 
Um, yeah, certainly um, a cool look at this. Yeah, and you also look, there are pairs where you have to evaluate all three brothers, but then arguably another honorable mention, I'd say, just because of the strength of one sibling would be the Aarons. Oh, Hank of course. And Tommy of course. How could you leave them out? I mean, and I've said this on the show before, I think Hank Aaron's the best player of all time, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's another great uh, pair. Yeah, you also have... Uh, the Allen brothers, Dick Allen, a 1972 MVP with uh, Hank Allen and Ron Allen. You'll be a lose as well, Felipe, Manny, and Jesus as well. And then also looking at the uh, last one, you have the Bells, uh, David and Mike Bell. Those two have been in the news over the past year. Uh, David Bell, manager for uh, Cincinnati, and Mike, uh, bench coach for Minnesota, unfortunately passing away a month ago. But, yeah, those are some of the top uh, – Baseball siblings, you also have the Bonifacios as well, Emilio and Jorge. And now looking at shifting from the major league scene to the collegiate scene, the Ithaca College Bombers taking on RPI today in a doubleheader, followed by uh, the flip side of the doubleheader. But, Tommy, first off, I want to get your thoughts on the scheduling here. Uh, obviously, COVID rule a role. They can't play two different teams in back-to-back days, but playing four games against the same team in two days. What are some of your thoughts on the scheduling? Well, I think it's a really tough schedule. I mean, think about having a doubleheader or two doubleheaders every single weekend. I think that's incredibly grueling, but, you know, I think they've handled it really well, 14-7-1. So, um, you know, I've been really impressed by them, 9-2-1 the conference, uh, good for a 792 winning percentage. So I think they've handled it well, but really tough scheduling, Matt. Yeah, and they have a backloaded schedule. They still have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games prior to the postseason wow. left to play. But until those eight games happen, who is your MVP to this point? That's a tough one. I think there's been a lot of contributors on this team. I think that, you know, a clear pick is Garrett Callahan. He's been great the whole season. Um, taking a look at his numbers here, let's pull him up. Hitting 377 for the Bombers, 26 hits. Eight home runs, 29 RBIs. I think that he's certainly a contender. But you know what Buzz Shirley's able to do on both sides of the ball? He's been great on the mound, and he's leading the team in batting average, hitting 429. And, you know, Lou Fabo hitting 378 as a freshman, their leadoff hitter, and playing at second base. So I think there's a lot of key contributors. But, yeah, they've been great this year. You know? Yeah, you mentioned a lot of the bats. I'm going to talk about the other side of the ball here. And Kyle Lambert. It seems like every time he starts in the first leg of a doubleheader, which is a seven-inning game, mm-hmm. he goes the dis- he goes the distance. He went the distance against Vassar. He went the distance against Clarkson. 4-10 ERA, 1.58 whip, 4-0 on the season. He's started all but one of his appearances, two complete games, like I mentioned. And when you're able to ride someone the entire part of the seven-inning game in the doubleheader, it really provides you some insurance for game two, three, and four. Oh, no question. I think that length is certainly very important in this schedule. Like you said, having double headers, I think that your starter needs to provide you a distance. And like you said, he's been able to do that. So I think that he's been really, uh, you know, played a really key role for this team. Yeah, and also looking at another key guy on this team, you have uh, Buzz Shirley, like you mentioned, not only getting it done at the plate, but on the hill as well, on the hill, 3.31 earned run average. And 429 average at the plate, the grad student. Now this team has a, a very uh, good group of seniors slash grad students due to the COVID eligibility. How important do you think that senior leadership is heading down to the stretch? 
Oh, I think it's very important. I mean, you take a look at guys like like you said with Shirley and Callahan, but Jack Lynch as well there at shortstop. I think it's incredibly important because uh, the team has debuted 13 freshmen, I believe, this season. And, you know, like we said, their leadoff hitter is a freshman. So I think that's very important to have the veterans on that team. And, you know, especially in this COVID environment, to lead your team through a really difficult season this is a season unlike any other we've seen, so I think they've been really key for sure. Yeah, looking at the standings, I think that's huge. You know, you have yeah. Fabo, who's been spectacular, hit his first home run against Clarkson uh, a week ago, about a week ago, and then to have those consistent grad students, Callahan, and then you have Shirley as well. And then also at the bottom of the order, to have Nada and Smith, who can fly around the bases and set up those guys, definitely a big thing for the Bombers as well. And looking at the Liberty League standings, the Bombers sit at 9-2-1, Rochester 10-2, the Bombers in second place. Uh, only, I'd say, I mean, there's not a games back, but I'd say based on my third grade math skills, that'd be about a quarter, less than a game back. Yeah. And they see the Yellow Jackets in a week, I believe. So those games are going to be big, but where do you see the Bombers finishing at the end of the season? You know, I certainly think that they could win the Liberty League, and you know, how fitting would that be? Their first full year in the Liberty League and winning, I think that would be outstanding for them. So, uh, you know, I'm certainly hoping that they can get there. But, you know, I think they have the pitching and the hitting to do it. Yeah, Rochester in first, Ithaca in second, Union in third, St. Lawrence in fourth, Clarkson in fifth. Those are your top five. And in terms of winning percentage, uh, Rochester, 833, Ithaca, 792, Union, 667 St. Lawrence 625 and with that we are going to take our second break of the hour when we come back we'll go around the country collegiately as well as discuss this upcoming week in Major League Baseball until then stick around you're listening to On the Mound here on BIC Radio One-third pop bops, one-third rock songs, and one-third alternative beats creates The Mix. Fridays at 6 p.m. on the best of what's next. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Turn the dial to 10 with no sleep till noise pollution from 9 to 10 p.m. Friday nights. Start your weekend off right with a concoction of all kinds of punk, rock, and folk music from all different time periods. Every week will be a different and interesting theme. From music for your mosh pit to music for your cross-country road trip, I'm going to be playing it all. Medical mistakes claim tens of thousands of lives every year. The healthcare community is working on it, but you can help. When you communicate with your doctor, when you ask more questions, you reduce your risk of suffering a medical mistake. Doctors can't answer if you don't ask. Help reduce your risk. Questions are the answer. Learn the 10 questions you must ask. Visit www.ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and the Ad Council. 
Want to hear your favorite song sung by a different artist? Tune in to We Got It Covered on Thursdays from 10 to midnight, only on DIC Radio. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sosler joined by Tommy Muma. We just talked about the Liberty League and some local college baseball, but right now I want to give a shout-out to a couple of players who have been doing a fantastic job at their respective schools. First off, uh, Kobe Bishop out of Augustana in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, having a fantastic season thus far for the Vikings. A quick look at his season standings, 41.2 innings pitched. He has an earned run average of only 1.94, a fantastic season for Kobe, spent last summer with the Pure Travers at a stellar season and overall throws a mid to or low to mid-90s, has a lot of movement on his pitches, so a good year for Kobe thus far. And then his uh, fellow ace on the Trappers last season, uh, Cal State Bakersfield, Ethan Scudier, having another good season, played against Hawaii in Hawaii after a long flight, a uh, couple of, uh, Actually, now it's a week, about a week ago at this point. 5.1 innings pitched, had a shutout in that game as well. So shout out to those two guys. And now moving over to the major leagues, Tommy, uh, you have a bit of news before we go into the uh, future week in baseball. Yeah, Darren O'Day to the IL for the Yankees, which, you know, that's a really tough break for them. And he's pitched really well this year, 3 ERA in 9 innings. Uh, with nine strikeouts, and, you know, anybody that's seen him pitch, you know, that sidearm delivery, and, you know, really keeps hitters off balance, so that's really a tough break for the Yankees, and I think that it makes the Wandy Peralta move uh, look even bigger to have another arm there in the bullpen, but, you know, he's going to the IL retroactive to April 30th, so yesterday, so he's eligible to return in nine days, but it's a right rotator cuff strain, so Certainly tough break there, and you know Michael King is back with the Yankees, and he's pitched really well, Matt, so far. He um, he's been sent down a couple times, and because he eats a lot of innings, and then you know they call up another arm to get somebody else in there that can pitch some more innings for him. But I'm glad that he's back with the team. Hasn't given up a run in 2021, which is really impressive. In 11 innings, only four hits allowed. So uh, certainly glad he's back up with the team. Yeah, definitely, and you uh, mentioned uh, the Yankees losing him. They have Detroit again today, Tyone versus Turnbull. What are your thoughts on the matchup? Well, I think it's a good matchup for the Yankees for sure. I think that they got to build off of what they did last night, 10 runs, right? And, you know, that's really been the big issue the whole season, the offense for the Yankees. Turnbull's pitched pretty well, though, 1-1 one and one with a 3.27. Jameson Tyone, though, 0-2 with a 6.23, so... You know, he'll look to get in the wing column, but I think it's a big game for the Yankees. Yeah, definitely a big game for the Yankees, considering who they're chasing in the standings. And now I'm going to go through uh, my key matchup of the day here on the mound and looking at what we have today. Uh, I got to go, honestly, Giants-Padres. I wouldn't say normally that would be my key matchup, but looking at the uh, pitching battle, you got Snell versus Disclafani. And Disclafani with Cincinnati for basically his entire career, it felt like. Yeah. Uh, now with San Francisco, the first place San Francisco Giants. How about that? Against Blake Snell and the Padres. So that's my uh, key match up to watch tonight, I think, especially in a tight NL West. You know, you look at these games that are within the division, these divisional games. You get 19 against each of the teams, and every single one of them matters. It sounds like a broken record. We've talked about that every single week here on the show. And I think that, personally, 
you know, when you have a matchup like this, you have to take advantage of it if you're either team because, you know, it stinks that, you know, it's I think it's two of your top three guys going against each other, but have to take advantage to see if you can get and win the battle of the top arms. Another one is Taiwan Walker versus Zach Wheeler. Taiwan Walker uh, last week against the Cubs not only wasn't feeling it physically, but mentally as well. Got frustrated over some strikeout calls and things like that. He'll be going up against former Matt Zach Wheeler. And whenever you face your former team, there's some extra incentive there. Tommy, what are your thoughts on that divisional matchup? I think it's a really big game. Like you said, you take a look at the Mets 9-11, and they're going to want to bounce back from that, obviously. And, you know, like you said, divisional games are huge. You're chasing the Phillies there at the top. And, you know, while it's st- still early and they're a couple games back, I think that any time it's a divisional game, it's big. And, you know, Taiwan Walker, like you said, he's looked pretty good, 1-1, one 2.14. One, one, looked pretty good overall, that is. Struggled last week, but... Um, you know, I think it's a huge game for the Mets, for sure. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the Yankee game, and I'm sure that uh, this might be your uh, pick for today as well. But what's your game to watch this afternoon? You know, the Yankee game's a big one for me, but I also think you have the Blue Jays against the Braves tonight. I think that's a fun interleague matchup at 7.30 tonight. Got Charlie Morton against uh, Bergen for Toronto. Let's take a look at him. Uh has he pitched this season? He's pitched in one game out of the bullpen in relief, so making his first star of the year. So I think that's definitely a matchup to watch. Obviously, the Blue Jays, Vladdy Guerrero playing really well uh, this week. Three home runs, I believe, on Tuesday night. So uh, definitely a good one to watch. Yeah, and you also look at uh, another key matchup, uh, Dodgers-Brewers. A rematch of, yeah. I believe, what was it, 2019? Uh, NLC, or twenty. 20- 18, I believe. Yeah, 2018. Uh, 2018 NLCS. And May versus Woodruff. You know, the yeah. Dodgers have one of the deepest rotations in baseball. So May, even though he's 1-1, one one, still throws hard. And then you have Woodruff, who's been 2-0 and oh, and a nightmare to play against. So a big matchup there, especially, uh, in my opinion, for my sake, because the Dodgers playing the Brewers, if the Dodgers could, you know, extend yeah. a hand, help out their former teammate in Jack Peterson uh, to get up in the standings, that would certainly be a... Uh, Fantastic. And now moving on to tomorrow's game, Sunday. We got Sunday Night Baseball. Let's talk about that matchup first. Uh, Peterson versus Eflin, Mets-Phillies. Hey, it, I think it's another good one. Like we said, I mean, this is a big series for both teams, and I think that, you know, these games are going to make a difference in the big picture there in the East. And, uh, you know, the Mets, they have to get rolling, and it certainly starts right here in this series. They win today, they win tomorrow, they're back at 500. So uh, certainly a big game from the Mets' perspective. And the Phillies, you want to maintain that first-place lead as long as you can, for sure. And now also looking at, first off, before I go on the next topic, like you said, you know, big series, Sunday Night Baseball, especially if the you know pot is still boiling over. From last night, you got a game today and a game tomorrow on Sunday Night Baseball. Who knows? You might be in for a show tomorrow night. But now looking back at tomorrow's schedule as well as today's schedule, who is your lock to win? My lock to win. Let's think. I got to go with the Yankees on this one, Matt. I think that they're really starting to roll. I think that the bats have been really impressive. Uh, you know, in the past week, and there's been times where they've fallen back into that slump a little bit, but, you know, I think that the Yankees are my lock. They're playing the Detroit Tigers 8-19 and on the season, 
And I think these are the games that you have to win, right? And I think that they're going to get it done this weekend. Yeah, my lock for today, it's a tough one. It breaks my heart. Cincinnati Reds. Oh, no. Castillo versus Zach Davies. Uh, Davies, I'm not a fan of the way he's been throwing the baseball this year. Look at some of his numbers. One and two, a 947 earned run average. It's not what you want uh, if you're a starter, especially a starter who got sent over for you, Darvish. And then uh, looking at his 19 innings pitch, 14 strikeouts, a whip of 221. Overall, he's just had some bad innings. It's come down to that. Looking at some of his more uh, specific stats in terms of his runs allowed, you know, it's just it's not what you want. Looking at uh, the game logs, pulling that up real quick. Um, earned runs, two, seven, four, two, five. Over his, over his past few starts. And, you yeah. know, two's okay. You know, you can deal with that. Two was against the Mets, the game they won. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also he had two earned runs against uh, Pittsburgh back on April the 4th. But other than that, it's been north of four. And if you want to win a baseball game, you can't do that. And now going to some of Castillo's numbers, Castillo staying with Cincinnati over the course of the season. And... He's always been a problem for the mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs this year, one and two. He does have a, a whip of 1.6, 6.29 on average, so expect a high-scoring ball game out of this one, similar to what we saw last night uh, with his 6-8 to eight Cincinnati victory. Uh, and then looking at some of his game logs this year, uh, he's done uh, fairly well. He's only had one bad start, and that was April the 1st against St. Louis, where he went three and a third and allowed eight earned runs. But other than that, he's been cruising. So it breaks my heart. Hate to say it. Cincinnati takes this one over the Cubs. And then going to my lock for tomorrow's uh, schedule, uh, I got to go with... Oh, this is going to be tough. Actually, I might have to retract my pick. But <laughs> I'm going to stick with the Southsiders. Lucas Giolito versus Plesak, White Sox Indians. Uh, Giolito's always been dominant, even though he's 1-2 this year. Uh, Plesak, 1-3. I think the White Sox, it's a Sunday on the South side. Uh, 1-10, uh, 1-10 start. I think that they're going to do a good job. They're going to pull through and uh, give me the lock here. Who's your lock for Sunday? You know, I think that's a good pick. I'm taking a look at these games. I think I'm going to go with the Dodgers over the Brewers. Uh, Julio Urias, he's pitching against Milwaukee tomorrow. To be determined on their end. But, um, you know, he's pitched really well this year. 3-0 and with a 3.23. 32 strikeouts in just 30 innings pitched. So... Um, you know, I like what he's been able to do out there, and I think he's going to keep it going tomorrow against Milwaukee. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that, like I said, uh, yes, or a few minutes ago, that, you know, the, the May-Woodruff matchup tonight, and I think the momentum is going to ride into that uh, tomorrow. It's a one ten start. But, again, it's Dodgers and Brewers. These are potentially, at this point in the season, this could be a future playoff matchup, and it's something that you need to look at. Heading in there, another matchup that I like, uh, you know, Urania and Kluber, even though you said that's going to be your lock for today, I'd also assume it'd be a lock for you tomorrow. But Urania, always something to keep an eye on, especially uh, not only in terms of getting the ball in the zone, but out of the zone as well. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I always have to have faith in the Yankees, so they would be a lock. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Yankees at this point, a couple of weeks ago, we were hitting the panic button. Yeah. And I think that with the Yankees, 
you see how they've progressed over over time, slowly but surely, and now that they're starting to get guys back from injury. Where do you think the turning point was, and what do you think we can expect out of the Yankees in the month of May? Um, you mean the turning point in terms of getting the offense going? Yeah. Well, I think it all starts with Rugnet Odor. I think that he's been outstanding for them, and you know everything that you could hope for certainly didn't know what to expect, right? Because you know this is a guy that was released by the Texas Rangers, the last place team uh, there in the AL West, and you know he's come up with some really big hits. And you know even though they lost on Thursday, he had a go ahead hit there, and then you know they lost the lead, but. You know, four home runs, 10 RBIs, and, you know, 11 ribbies. But at the same time, he's hitting 192, so the average isn't there. But, you know, that's kind of the player he is, 236 career hitter. uh, But some pop, 150 homers, 469 ribbies. But I think Aaron Judge can uh, certainly make a big impact. He did so on Friday night. And, you know, hopefully they can just be consistent with it, Matt. Yeah, consistency is the goal, and one thing that is consistent, we're going to look at some baseball history for the last few minutes of this show. And on this day, in 1991, Nolan Ryan pitches the seventh no-hitter of his career when he defeats the Blue Jays in Arlington, 3 to nothing. Uh, obviously a huge feat for Nolan Ryan. Absolutely. I mean, seven no-hitters, Matt. I can't even believe that. I mean, you think about... All the incredible pitchers that have never thrown a no-hitter, right? And he had seven of them, which is just absolutely remarkable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what a moment. Yeah, and also going to 2002, Trevor Hoffman, his 321st save in San Diego. It was a big league record for most saves for one team. Seems that May 1st is a kind day for pitchers, uh, breaking some records here, obviously with Nolan Ryan's seventh no-hitter, and then also with Trevor Hoffman doing his job. Trevor Hoffman's sort of an unsung closer, I have to say. Seems he doesn't get the similar recognition, maybe because he was pitching in Mariano Rivera's shadow for most of his career. But Probably. overall, I think that, that you know it's it's impressive to do it all with one team and to uh, eventually uh, you know finish off a good career there. Uh, I think it's you know fantastic to see that. And then also moving forth, uh, 2006, this one's kind of funny. Yeah. Police escort from the airport, Doug Mirabelli, changing into his uniform in the car, arrives at Fenway Park just 13 minutes before the game starts. The the Red Sox uh, traded for him uh, that day, and he came to pitch. It's always interesting when you see those stories like that. I know Deion Sanders had that day back in the 90s where he had to play two games. I believe it was in the same day. He had the postseason with the Braves as well as the Falcons as well. And it's always nice to see uh, those, uh, those kind of funny things in baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's one I hadn't heard about. And taking a look at baseball reference, and they tweet out, On this day in 1974, Doc Ellis hit the first three batters he faced during a game against the Reds. Ellis, who admits to trying to intentionally hit each Reds batter that faced him, then threw two pitches behind Tony Perez's head before walking him and being taken out of the game. Baseball reference, they have a lot of good information on there, but that's one I haven't heard before, but uh, that's a pretty wild one. Why would you do that? I don't know. It's not ethical. You hit. You use five pitches to hit the batters. Like It's like, this isn't target practice, it's baseball. You're supposed to throw the ball in the strike zone. That's the strike right. zone is not on your opponent's shoulder. 
I like you're, if you're upset with the swagger, I don't think that's a way to deal with it. But I think it's kind of funny. I would have loved to see. I'm sure they do have clips somewhere where we could take a look and watch that because I don't know. It's like you wake up feeling like when they say you wake up feeling dangerous. Is that really what they mean? <laughs> I don't know. That's a wild one. I've never heard about that. But Baseball Reference definitely a good follow on Twitter. I've been looking the past couple of weeks and they've had a lot of good info on there. So. Yeah, definitely with that. I think, you know, it's, I'm still baffled what, what a, why, you would, why, why anyone would do that because it's just three free base runners. If you're mad at their swagger, yeah, you know, you keep them quiet by sending them back to the dugout, That's not right. to first base. First base, they, you know, you've seen the Rookie of the Year, right? That move, the baseball movie Rookie of the I Year. I have not seen you, the full one. I know that's you, one of your favorites. You let, but... you let Henry Rowan get on base. Yeah. And then he makes fun of you from first base. If they, they can't make fun of you from the dugout. They can't. You got them out, you're winning the argument. But then you let them get to first base, they can make fun of you until they come all the way around and score. Now, obviously, I don't know the line score, but assuming you hit three batters, I'd at least hope that one of those would score. Otherwise, uh, gee, what a pitching performance, to say the least, if he's able to hit three batters. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. still escape with a shutout inning but it's just i don't know why well, they would took you took him out of the game though after the the third one uh, yeah I, I don't know and then he goes oh and two on a johnny bench but like if he's oh and two on johnny bench then why don't you keep him in he's about to strike the guy out i know maybe he wanted to see, show everyone how impressive he was he could walk the bases loaded or give free passes to get the bases loaded and then he could uh show off that he could get out of the inning maybe he was trying for a triple play Hey, he could have been trying for the triple play, but, I mean, you take a look at that game. 5-3 was the final, so that was a close game. They I win mean, the game? Who won the game? The Reds won the game 5-3, so. That's all his fault, then. <laughs> I know, I know. That was, taking a look at that, the attendance was 8,195 people at Three Rivers Stadium. 8,000 people. What? 8,000, you said? 8,000 people. Can you believe that? That's what we're seeing today. We're seeing even more than that but, limited capacity. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. Like You're seeing 10,000, 12,000 at, uh, you know, when you have to have that. And then back, what was it? In the 1974. 1974. Well, it is May 1st. I don't know if it was a Saturday then, but, you know, also you have to consider that, you know, kids aren't out of school. It's not really the true full-blown summer yet. And then That's also true. back in the day, I'm not sure where this game was played, but were there lights? There were lights. There were lights. It says it was a night game on turf. Duration was two hours, 51 minutes at uh, Three Rivers Stadium, where the Steelers used to play as well. And um, Yeah, my dad grew up in Pittsburgh, so he used to go Three Rivers Stadium, and uh, definitely a great ballpark. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's something else. That's quite the story. Yeah, definitely. I think, they, you know, it's... Interesting to see, but, you know, at least if you're going to pull a feet like that and hit three batters in a row, at least to keep it quiet, I guess, right? (laughs) With only 8,000 people in the stands. Yeah, and and one thing that I'd like to mention as well that I didn't realize about this, Matt, he was the starting pitcher that day. So he hit the first three batters of the game, then he walked the next, and they took him out. So he walked home a run. Yeah, he walked home a run. So, yeah, taking a look at his stats for this game, one run, uh, one walk, and, you know, his ERA was 4.91 at the time. But that makes it even crazier to start the game this happened, Matt. I don't know. Like, what, what would you, like, like I said earlier, like, what, do you not like the way they warmed up? 
Like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the Three River Stadium, too, that's a hard park. That's a hard offensive park. You know, look back in the days with the cookie-cutter stadiums, Three yeah. River Stadium, one of them, and then when you have to fit an entire football field from home, basically, to center field, the way they constructed those. That's right. You're giving them offense right there. You know, I don't know. There's probably, you know, at that stadium, you have the Immaculate Reception. I don't know. Is there a name for this? <laughs> the, I don't uh, know. We might have to come up might with have to one. Coin, might have to coin one there. But, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, NFL draft, uh, football on my mind here. But, you know, going back to the diamond, I think it's just, oh, my God. Why, just why? Why would you do that? I think it's just if you want to keep them quiet, you put them on base. That, that's all there is to it. There's really not much, not much there to it, I think. There's really not much more I could say on that topic, but I'm moving to one more thing. Um, in baseball history, a couple of more uh, recent ones. Uh, Buck Showalter, his 1,000th win when his Baltimore Orioles beat the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you probably watched that game, right? It was 20, uh, 2012, probably. 2012, I'm sure I watched it, yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, him getting that win at Yankee well, I think that Buck Showalter's a great manager. He had some great years with the Yankees. And, you know, certainly Joe Torre, he was amazing for the Yankees and certainly glad that he was able to accomplish all he did. But you think about Buck Showalter being there in New York during the years where the Yankees really struggled, and he got him back to, um, back to the playoffs in 1995 and in a position where they were really set up for success. And, you know, he wasn't able to see those championships with the Yankees, but I think he's a great baseball mind, and, um, you know, certainly don't want him to get that win against the Yankees, but, um, you know, he's working now with the Yes Network, and I think he's great, so, um, yeah, big fan of Buck Showalter. And also in 2015, this one I'm sure you're thrilled about, amidst audible boos at Fenway Park, Alex Rodriguez, 3-0 oh, yeah. fastball over the Green Monster for number 660, tying Willie Mays for fourth on the all-time home run list. Fenway, tying Willie Mays in boos. What could be more poetic of a Yankee? I remember this incredibly well, and um, I believe it was late in the game. I think it tied the game or gave them the lead, and yeah, it was a really big home run, and you know, you know my opinions on A-Rod. I think he's one of the best players that's ever stepped on the field. So um, that was a great moment. I remember that for sure. Yeah, Alex Rodriguez, you know, obviously uh, tainted a little bit considering his uh, use of PEDs. That is but, true. You know, anytime you get those Yankees-Red Sox moments, uh, you know, unfortunate we won't see him for another month. But I think that, you know, it's always good to see uh, what the what they can do and how they can, you know, create such uh, fantastic baseball moments. And the rivalries in baseball, they seem to be increasing. You know, back even last year, it was really just Yankees, Red Sox. You got Mets, Phillies, but really that doesn't make national headlines. Yeah. Um, Cubs, Cardinals sometimes there. And then, you know, this year it's nice to see the rivalries expanding west. You have Dodgers, Giants, it's always been there, but it seems like that's taken a back seat considering how San Francisco's fared over the past few years. Yeah. But now that you got a SoCal rivalry, you have rivalries from east to west in the major leagues. It seems like every Sunday Night Baseball game that's been played thus far has been under— I mean, obviously, I think Cubs-Braves was on Sunday Night Baseball once. That one, not so much of a rivalry, and it wasn't much of a baseball game either. I think—I <laughs> uh, forget who. might have been Hendricks pitching. Yeah, it was Kyle Hendricks pitching that game. Uh, did not fare well, and then the uh, Braves jumping on that. A lot of home runs hit that day. The wind was blowing out, but 
it's just nice to see the rivalries in baseball. It makes baseball interesting, you know. I've watched baseball almost every night. You know, shout out to my roommate, Jaden Becker, for doing well in the Hit Street game, getting a free month of MLB TV, definitely making life a little bit uh, easier, making baseball easier to watch on our end. So been watching a lot of that. But just the, the nature of the rivalry, the entertainment factor in baseball has been spectacular so far this year. And I think it's a lot of credit given that, you know, in every division, there's a competition. And even though it's early, and things really haven't broken open yet. I'm sure as we get into June, we get into July, that you know it'll be sort of uh, broken open a little bit. But right now, it's just so nice to see that. Absolutely. And you mentioned all the new rivalries. I mean, Yankees-Rays has been great, too, over the past couple of years. So I think those are great for baseball, those little storylines that you know come about between teams. And, yeah, I think baseball's in a pretty good spot, and hopefully they— you know, have some more rivalries like that develop for sure. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree with you more there. And before we wrap up the show, any final thoughts on this week in baseball, college, anything we talked about? Well, I do have one matchup to watch for the week. The Houston Astros come to New York to Yankee Stadium this week, which will be a huge series. Um, I wish I could be there. What is that going to be like? (laughs) That is going to be wild. Um, I can't wait for it. And obviously limited capacity but I think that Yankee fans are going to come out in full force and you know even right now against Detroit AJ Hinch in New York for the first time since uh, the whole cheating scandal so definitely a big week for Yankee fans to uh, get some booze in. Yeah some booze and hopefully not too much else the Yankee fans have had some problems already this season about their behavior. So uh, hopefully they play nicely. You know, I was looking the trash cans on the other side of the studio, but, you know, I was hoping about pulling some antics there, seeing what they'd be doing. But, you know, play nicely, Yankee fans. It's just Houston, even though they cheated and uh, cheated you guys out of a World Series. Uh, you know, be nice. Be nice. Hey, but, I uh, agree with you. I agree. <laughs> hope it's a good series on the field. You know, be, uh, the theme of this show, Beat them on the field, not off the field. You know, that's the way you win baseball games. With the guy who hit three batters in a row, and then you also look at uh, the uh, Yankees-Astros. But definitely that's a matchup to watch. It's a matchup that Yankee fans have been waiting for for the past uh, year. And that's what I thought the Astros would have to endure. They deal with it in Oakland, and they're going to deal with it in New York. They're going to deal with it in Boston ten times the amount. It's going to be very, uh, very good TV to watch, to say the least, as someone who's in part. I mean, I'm not impartial with that matchup because I don't want to see cheaters win. That's right. as, I'm as impartial as one can get, all mm-hmm. things considered. So that'll be a very interesting matchup to watch. And with that, that's going to wrap up this edition of On the Mound here on VIC Radio. For Tommy Muma, I'm Matt Sossler. We'll catch you next time here on VIC Radio.